we are in Psalm 1 for the fifth time. And our focus is on this one phrase that seems so unrealistic. In all that he does, he prospers. Let's read it in context. Blessed is the man. So this is the man we're talking about down here now. Blessed is this man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. This man who's not walking, standing, sitting with evil, who's delighting in the law of the Lord, who's meditating on his law day and night, who's like a tree, this man, in all that he does, he prospers. So, Father, what does this mean? Would you show us from your word how to understand this since it seems so naive at one level? We love your word. We trust you. Would you teach us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason this seems naive, in all that he does, he prospers, is because... Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The evil prosper in their way. Malachi 3.15. And now we call the arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. That's what the world looks like. And on the other hand, what about the godly? Psalm 44, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? In other words, he's saying we're innocent. We haven't done that. He knows the secrets of the heart. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's what happens to the righteous. So you come back here, in all that he does, he prospers what? His business always succeeds. His diseases are always healed. His family is always flourishing. He never is the victim of any violence. What does he mean? Now, when you run into a problem like that, you can give up on the Bible. If you haven't fallen in love with the Bible and seen the depths of its truths, you just may do that. You may say, this is just uh, naive. Or you may say, this is contradictory. Or you might say, this is God's word. And I must find out how this is true. In all that he does, he prospers. How 
is that true God? And my answer would be this seemingly naive, lavish, over-the-top promise is a pointer to some work that God is going to do that causes it to come true. And probably in that future, it has to do with the Messiah in some way. Let's go watch it happen. Romans 8.32, Messiah comes, Jesus. He who did not spare his own son. So now God is acting in history in a way that nobody expected. He didn't spare. He sent his son to die, his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him graciously, graciously give us all things? So all things, this is like prosperity. All things are going to be given. What does that mean? All things are going to be given to those for whom he did not spare his son. Here comes the answer. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. That's a lot of non-prosperity. What does he say? He quotes that very psalm of 44. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So that looks like not prospering. And then he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We don't just conquer. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So when the Messiah comes and sends his, and, and God sends his own son, he, he gives himself for us and thus secures for us all things and says that in all things, even the negative things, we are more than conquerors. Something's going on. There's some prospering going on here that we need to figure out. There are two ways that we are more than conquerors through death and suffering. One is that in this life, even the suffering works for our good. Here we are back in the Psalms. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. So affliction caused me to prosper in your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I prosper in learning your statutes precisely in the afflictions that look like I'm not prospering. I know, O oh Lord, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me because it produced learning your statutes and it produced not going astray. So here's the first fruit of the work of the Messiah working backward into history. Everything works together for our good. There is a prospering even in the affliction that turns out for our good. Now, it gets even more amazing. Here's the second way that Christ's work results in our prospering. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 following. Oh, death, where is your victory? Well, it sure looks like it has the victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Death doesn't have the victory. We have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ because he was given for us and raised from the dead. Now watch this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, even the work that looks like it's not prospering. Why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor through all affliction, through all suffering, through all disappointment, through all frustration, through all brokenness, your labor is not and never will be in vain. How do you say not in vain positively? Your labor will prosper. It will. It's going to happen no matter what it looks like now. Look at this. Ephesians 6, 8. Whatever good anyone has done in the midst of being beaten for it by a, a slave master, in the midst of a business that fails because you were righteous and people cheated you, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's bond, servant, or free. Everything that we've ever done that's right we will be rewarded for. It will prosper. It may look like it didn't prosper in this world. It will prosper. Or here's another beautiful example, and with this I close. Luke 14, 13. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Why? Can it be blessed? Why? Because they can't repay you. This looks like a bad, non-prospering deal. <laughs> you may go bankrupt helping the poor. For you will be repaid at the resurrection. You will prosper no matter what happens financially because you did the right thing here. So, I conclude, when this psalmist spoke what seemed like such a naive sentence, in all that he does, this man who's not walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting and cozying up and participating in scoffing but has been so changed that he delights in God and his word and meditates on it day and night and thus sinks his roots down into the stream of God's delighting grace, that man is going to prosper in everything he does because everything he does is going to work for his good now in spiritual ways, sometimes material ways, but in the end, he will be rewarded from the Lord, and nothing will have been in vain.